Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Post Message Podcast, following week three in our God Talk series. Title of that message was, Is This Working? Here we go. Hello, everyone. This is John, and my friend Sean is with me, and special guests. Yes, Tani Vols. Hey! And Holly Miller. Hola. We have, we have our wives with us, and we are uh, off-site. We are in a special location. This is the Post Message Podcast on location at Orcas Island. Yes, looking at the water as we speak. This is called the Salish Sea. Oh. Out here. Did you know that? And what are those mountains out there again? The I Cascades? I think that might be the Cascade Range. And we're looking, we can actually look over to see Vancouver, British Columbia oh, over there. Canada. That was beautiful, man. Thank you. Yeah. Watch out, Josh Bolin. Sean's coming after your job. <laughs> That's right. It's fantastic. Well, we are talking uh, today about the message from this previous weekend. Uh, uh, let's see, week one we asked, where are we? And then, what am I supposed to do? And then this weekend we asked, is this working? Is this working? That's right. How many messages did you listen to, is, Sean? It, is it two. Two out of four, pretty good, huh? It's fantastic. It's like fifty percent. That's good. Right on. Is it work? So, so is it working? What's working? Well, God talks specifically. Is so we were looking over the last, uh, you know, over the last little while, looking at previous models of God talk and and then current models of God talk um, that the church has found popular, or at least has used uh, to try yes. to talk to people about God. And I think in most cases to try and perhaps uh, lead someone to Jesus. But we asked, uh, are those methods actually working? Like, do they actually prove, uh, you know, helpful? Right. Or are some of them hurtful? Right. Are some of them, um, you know, a waste of time? We, we wanted to be honest with it. So I'm curious, um, what was... The kind of God talk that drew you to God? The God talk that drew me to God um, was, well, a couple things. I remember sitting with my grandma, who was Catholic, and she had a book that I think may have been like a catechism book, and it had a bunch of pictures of Jesus. And I was very intrigued by the art mm. as a kid. So looking at all, you know, wondering what all of the uh, the the glowing orbs around saints' heads were and Jesus' head and um, just very curious about that. And then my grandma had a lot of relics around the home, um, her rosary beads, um, a, a few different varieties of uh, crucifixes, um, and I, I was super curious about that. So I always asked about the stories. Um, and then when I was nine, uh, we moved to Grass Valley. Um, California, and a neighbor invited my brother and I to church, took us to Sunday school, and um, bought me a Bible. And she would just tell us stories. And she had, she had a garden, and she always invited us to, it had, a, it had a rope swing in it, and she invited us to swing on that swing and eat whatever we wanted out of the garden. She used to put a little salt shaker on the post so we could pick cucumbers and break them open and salt them and eat them. And then uh, always at her house, and she just told a story after story after story. 
That's fascinating. Fascinating, because when I hear you talk about that, there's a couple things that jump out. Um, actually, three. One is that people can't see you right now, but your face lights up hmm. when you talk about those those people in your life. Hmm. And and that leads into the second thing that they were people that cared about you. They wanted to spend time with you. They wanted to to do special things and and tell you stories and. They talked to you about things that you were interested in. That's a good point. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever sat and analyzed my own God Talk story like that. Um, yeah, and, and, I, and it's funny because, um, you know, when you were talking this weekend, you kept on referring to wanting to honor the past and, yes. and, and be very gentle with the past, but also... Like stretch forward, move forward, and 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 be self-reflective on the kind of conversations we're hmm. having now, and just to ask ourselves, hey, is it working these days? Hmm. It's funny because well, the house that we're sitting in is owned by uh, Leonard Sweet, who is uh, an author, a theologian, uh, a futurist, a provocateur of sorts, and actually in the last. A uh, couple of weeks or a few weeks, some of the books that we've suggested, right, have been by Leonard Sweet. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. He's been a, a wonderful pastor in my life over the last few years, and he uses the image a lot of a swing to talk about momentum uh, with the church. And and going back to what you just said, like um, honoring the past, but kind of kicking forward into right. the future. You right. know, there's always a little bit of going into the past, and then moving into the future. Yeah. That's, you know, um, and I, I, I love that metaphor. But yeah, that's true. It's not that you want to uh, poke holes at and completely deconstruct the past right. and shame the past. That's right. not what, what we're trying to do. And I was, I hope I did okay with that this weekend um, because some of the things that we've tried are silly, um, if we're honest. Yeah. But, uh, and some of them are super damaging. I don't apologize for actually kind of making fun of those. Um, but yeah, we want to say what worked. And then somebody told me once that uh, behind all tradition are the ashes of logic. Like once upon a time it made sense. So why did it make sense? And then now fast forward into the time we live right now. Why doesn't, why doesn't that thing make sense? But what's the the redemptive value that we can find in that old thing. Right. For the, for the now, for the Yeah, a phrase that I've heard is uh, tradition can be an anchor for your soul if it's if it's used well. Right, if it's if it's used well yeah. and it can be an anchor to keep the the church in it, the exact same spot going around and motorboating in circles. It drags on the bottom of the sea. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Right. So Holly um, has had an interesting uh, journey in her life because she has gone to um, some private schools growing up, went to a Christian junior high school, went to a Catholic high school, went to a Christian high school, and um, you heard some God talk in middle school mm -hmm. from your Bible teacher. Um, yeah, Mr. Woods. Yeah, what, what was that like? I mean, it was a long time ago, and you were a middle schooler, but I know that you had fond memories of Mr. Woods and that class. Yeah, well, I went into it, first of all, open, because of families, different families that had invited me to the children's ministry at Los Gatos Christian, 
who invited me to the youth group at Los Gatos Christian, friends that I had made, and um, they just cared about me. And I saw first what Christian families looked like and Christian individuals looked like, and that was appealing to me. So I was already open to the gospel just from that. But um, when I started learning about what the Bible actually says in Mr. Wood's you know, Bible class, I was just blown away by the story that I had never heard before. And it just, you know, it was the gospel itself that just hit me in the gut. Mm. You know, that Christ died for us. Mm. You know, the sacrificial love that he has for us. Mm. Well, it's interesting again. So here's a, here's a theme here. Um, she has people that are her friends that keep inviting her and inviting her. Right. And she goes from her own context to experiencing these families that are followers of Jesus. And she's kind of blown away by these families. And that's all before she hears the Bible story. Right. So, so the, I think the key thing that you said, Holly, at the beginning is like, well, I was open because there were all these families that were loving her. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. You, so I, I feel like I'm a pretty outgoing uh, person. I like talking to strangers. I will talk to people on the street. Um, you know, I, I enjoy talking to people that I've never met before. I know this to be true because <laughs> when we walk down the street, I will sometimes feel that I'm alone because you stopped and you're talking to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, oh, when, when it seems right, when it seems right. But even with all of that, if, if I'm being approached on the street and somebody starts with something like, Hey, have you heard the good news? Or they are, hey, excuse me, brother, can I, t- can I tell you a story? There's part of me that's like, kids, get in the car. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like the approach, uh, because it, it, it's, um, it's a, uh, that salesman approach or that snake oil salesman kind of approach, like the, yes. it, it, it um, just seems so um, not genuine. Right. And, and it, can be, it can be scary. Um, and, th- and that's for somebody who really enjoys talking to people. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel that. So I, I can't imagine what some must feel like, uh, again, with well-meaning, well-intentioned people who want to talk about Jesus, but with that approach outside of relationship, it, it must be pretty mm-hmm. s- scary. And that's something interesting you touched on in your message that I, I've been thinking about. The, the, um, you, you talked about the motive behind even bad approaches and mm-hmm. that and that there are many 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 people who so want somebody that they love or somebody that they know to be introduced into a relationship with Jesus and yet they're maybe going about it in some unproductive ways maybe even some destructive ways um, but but they love this person. Yeah. And there's this sense of, and, and we've sat with people, that there's this sense of angst, there's this fear, there's this, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? I've got, I, I've got to lean into this person, and nothing seems to be working for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was, I was thinking as you were talking, what do we say to the person who is just sort of trapped by fear, or frustration, um, maybe a bit of 
panic for their loved ones uh, that they really want them to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so how do we help them maybe relax a little bit and, and connect relationally and, and talk about God in different ways or whatever it might be? Yeah, well, I really do think, um, I don't want to make it too simple, um, because I realize that can be a scary, frustrating, um, anxiety-ridden uh, kind of a thing for people when they feel like their family's in danger or headed down a ba bad path. Mm -hmm. but, but then when I look at the stories uh, of Jesus or anybody else who's telling the good news in the Bible, you just don't see them full of that anxiety. Or of that, um, uh, that uh, you know, not having patience, or that um, w wanting to make sure that they they close that deal right away in that conversation. They they're just they're messy. They're open ended. They they're full of tension. They go over days, months, years, um, and so I, I I would say look at those those stories right. as examples, and then also I mean we have to we have to be reminded that. We, you know, Jesus is not testing us on our ability to get someone to sign on the dotted line. He didn't do that. He doesn't require that of us. Um, he wants our availability. And uh, when it comes to you know, to other people, and I, I had a friend uh, who years, uh, when you asked him for years, when you asked him what his approach was with sharing with his family that he cared about. He said, with my family, my friends, with anybody, I love them until they ask me why. And mm -hmm. I think that um, the, the love approach, the, the, the continual, sacrificial, selfless love uh, in your family, that's going to speak volumes. Right. Um, so I would say if you're afraid for your, your family and, and your friends and people making bad choices, you love them, you serve them, you... Um, you, we need to learn how to stoop more, you know, to, and mm -hmm. um, I think that goes way further than any kind of, um, you know, sales pitch we might offer. Um, babe, what was, you, you grew up in a home that was a Christian home. I mean, you don't know anything else, yeah? Pretty much. Pretty yeah, much. Yeah, since I was about five, when my mom became a Jesus follower. And did your mom lead you through that process of becoming a Jesus follower? Like, did she hold your hand, or how did that thing work? Yeah, so that was interesting. I was listening to Holly's story and thinking through the fear-based uh, sharing of the gospel, uh, people who fear for their loved ones. So when I was five, my mom sat my brother and I down, and he was three, and I remember it clearly. We, she sat us down by the fireplace and she presented the gospel and she walked us through, quote, asking Jesus into our heart. And I did it because I was five and my mom was leading me through that situation. And I believe that I, I don't really think I became a true Jesus follower at that moment, but I would say I was a Christian growing up as a child. Um, but it wasn't until summer camp when I was 13 at a summer camp experience where it really clicked for me and I understood the story of what Jesus did for me. And in a very <laughs> traditional Christian 
Christianese term, I rededicated my life to Jesus at that moment. But I really think that's when I became a true Jesus follower, when I made the decision to follow Jesus. And so that's kind of my story. Hmm. It's interesting because I think that that continuum for people, it's interesting. Um, I, I bet a lot of us would have different road markers like that that would say, oh, this is this is about the, the spot that I knew that I was a Jesus right. follower. Um, and I'm not convinced, actually, that that it's at that moment that actually, you know, the heavens part and the angels descend and and we cross that line always. Right. I think that actually sometimes, you know, it begins with a, a five-year-old prayer with your mom mm -hmm. on the bed. And, you know, you have that, you have that realization of, uh, maybe further down the line, but it, then if you start putting these little pieces together, you go, oh man, well, man, Jesus was totally getting ahead of me and leading me towards him this this whole time. Right. Um, and uh, I think that's why it's so fascinating to read the gospel narratives from beginning to end again and again and again, because you see the closest followers of Jesus, there are examples in, in many ways, and leaving their nets, so they're leaving their families, their livelihood, their, their young people in their 20s going off on this adventure, and there's something different about Jesus, and something compelling, and yet, at the end of three years, there's been a lot of failure, there's been desertion, there's been a lack of understanding of who he was. Sure. There's been a lack of understanding. There's <laughs> been there, there's been denial, flat out denial. Right. There's been big time disagreement. Peter in Jesus's face. Mm -hmm. This is not what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And then Jesus says, "Get behind me, Satan." I mean, I mean that's some pretty intense stuff, you know, and. You just see this development, this over a long period of time. And sometimes I think, and we were talking about this earlier today, sometimes I think we can put some artificial markers on people because mm -hmm. we need to know who's in and who's out. Mm -hmm. we, we need to feel secure that someone is in. And, and I, don't, I don't look down on that. I want to I have that emotional connection and that, sense of somebody is a Jesus follower, somebody that I love is a Jesus follower, because there's nothing like that. Mm -hmm. And yet my own experience is there were people in my life that they put up with a whole lot of stuff, and they probably didn't know whether I was following Jesus or not for a while, because I was, I was pretty rough around the edges mm -hmm. when I started to say I was a Jesus follower. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it'd be interesting to... Uh, to travel back in time and show up at different points in the disciples' lives as they're following Jesus and have a conversation with them. And but it's funny though when we when we tell the Sunday school story version of you know the disciples following Jesus, you know for us I think the marker is like it, it, you know they became Jesus followers when they dropped their nets when they when they began to follow and I. I, I don't know, like, if they even knew what was happening then. Um, it's, so, it's, um, to, to find a rabbi to follow right. was, 
Like, a, that was the highest privilege. It was like being a doctor or a lawyer or um, in, in that culture. If you followed a rabbi, then, you know, that, that was fantastic if they took you under their wing. But those, but those dudes, um, from what we know from history, were probably rabbinical school dropouts. Because if you didn't make it following, uh, to the point where you could follow a rabbi, then you went back and you worked your dad's business, right. which was usually like as a carpenter or as a fisherman or, you know, so here are, the, here are these, these dropouts. This the dropping of the nets is, is the beginning of school for them. It's the beginning of the process. It's the beginning of, you know, medical school or whatever. It's, it's the beginning of this whole journey. And there's some intertextual evidence uh, for the fact that they were not schooled. They were not educated in the formal way because this is what the leaders in the book of Acts say about Peter and John. Mm -hmm. They recognize them, however, as having been with Jesus. Yeah. So, th so they were educated, but they got a whole different type of schooling. Yeah. And, and, and maybe sometimes that's what it comes down to. We have this box that we think, when we do God talk, it's got to it's got to be this way because this is the stream of Christianity that we have been swimming in for so long, and Jesus comes along and he totally takes them down a different avenue. Hmm. Yeah, that was good. That was good. You took a lot of notes, babe. This weekend. Oh yeah, I was just. Well, you told me that I was going to be part of this podcast, so I wanted to ask, if you ask me something, I wanted to have my notes to refer to. Uh, I've been having a lot of fun with the God Talk journals. Those are, those are fantastic. I'm, I'm curious, though, from the gals, um, just this is sort of more of a personal preference thing, but when it comes to talking about God, what are some ways that you like to hear God talk? And maybe what are some ways that you would say, oh, yeah, I don't really like that type of God talk so much. That's not my personality, or that's not really what draws me to sit down and talk about God. Are there any examples of maybe from your past, or maybe things you see going around in culture today, or the proverbial TV evangelist, <laughs> or whatever it might be, that kind of is off-putting, and then what are some things that might, you might say, oh, that's, that's really interesting. I, I could sit and talk about that for a while. Well, we're coming from a different place than maybe somebody who is not yet a Christian, <laughs> you know, so the kind of God talk that we're going to be right. interested in is, is perhaps a different flavor than, you know, oh, what's going to appeal to somebody, someone who's, you know, maybe searching, so... I think for me, um, being married to John, of course, I'm very, 30, 31 years, 31 years. Um, been influenced by his personality and flavor, I guess you could call it, um, in that I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. I don't, I don't like the quick, like you know, revival tent, like, save everyone in a weekend kind of God talk. I mean, it, in the building relationships with a neighbor or a coworker that I met 20 years ago that we don't work together anymore, but we're still friends. So 
I think it's I think it's more about the relationship and like we were talking about loving them and um, building trust before you you know but then you're available when they're when they're ready when um, you know and it, it's not all about me it's about God working in their life too so having faith that it doesn't have to be completely up to me yeah. and that I'm just um, a tool in that other person's journey to be patient and just do what I'm supposed to do and just be in relationship and love them. And when the time is right, then, you know. That's fantastic. I, th I think sometimes we can get, um, we can get sort of drawn in to force things and want things to happen. Like as John was saying, want to seal the deal. But uh, in John chapter six, it says no one comes to me, Jesus is speaking, mm -hmm. unless the Father draws them. Mm -hmm. And so what you were saying about just like taking your time and realizing it's not, it's not all up to you, it's not all on your shoulders, that the Father draws people to yeah. himself. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I actually think my wife is one of the best evangelists, um, to use that term since we've been talking about that, that I have ever met because of her faithfulness with relationships with people. Um, and uh, it's, it's always amazing to me when she'll get a call and she'll say, oh, it's so-and-so on the phone. And, and, and they, they want to talk about life. They want to talk about problem solving. They want to talk about raising kids. They want to talk about what's going on with their, with their husband. Uh, they want to talk about work issues. They want to talk about politics, what, whatever the case is. Um, and I've always been impressed that my wife has been able to talk about those things, of course, with a perspective that's been seasoned by her relationship with Jesus. But the way that it comes across, it never feels like she's trying to seal the deal with them. She's just being honest with what, uh, with, with the perspective that she has as a follower of Jesus. And it's so attractive to those people. There's nothing that is repellent about it. That, that's why they keep calling. Mm. That's why they keep asking uh, for advice because they trust that. And they all know where she stands with Jesus. Right. You know, um, and I, I, I think that's a fantastic uh, quality, yeah. quality to have. Well, cool. Well, uh, we will not be there this weekend, but Brad is speaking uh, this weekend and uh, looking forward to hearing what he has to say. What's the topic? Oh, gosh, you would ask me. <laughs> I, 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 I think we're going to be talking in the realm of, uh, like, what God talk looks like in Scripture. So I, I think that's right, what's history. happening this week. Uh, no, it's specifically, in, like, in the Bible stories, I think Brad is going to be looking at some individual right. approaches to God talk based on what we read about in those stories. Yeah, and, and, and you want to be at this one because... Uh, this is the one where you're going to maybe hear uh, a spectrum of personalities and gifts, and you might be able to identify with one or two of the stories in Scripture and say, hey, maybe, maybe I'm wired that way. And then that can set off a journey for any one of us to go, hey, let me pursue that. I never realized that about myself. Let me pursue that. And and uh, learn how to do God talk through who, who I am. Yeah, I think that's going to be fantastic. Um, let's see. 
what is it supposed to look like? That's yeah. that's the uh, that's the question that we're asking this week. So, yeah, looking forward to hearing some of that. Hey, thanks for listening to the Post Message podcast. We're doing this through this whole series. Actually, um, at the end of this series, um, the final weekend, which is like the weekend of the uh, 25th, I think it is, um, on that Saturday night of that weekend, we are going to do a live podcast in the auditorium at Lakeside. And it's going to be a conversation Q&A time with uh, Sean and Brad and myself. Um, and so we would really like you to participate in that. Uh, and so... One now, night only. Yeah. One night only. So from Orcas Island, outside of Seattle, we bid you farewell. Say bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening today. We're looking forward to this upcoming weekend in the Scott Talk series. As always, if you want to catch up on previous messages, you can go to lakesidechurch.com, click on the menu up in the upper right-hand corner. It looks like a hamburger, and it will lead you in the right path. Peace.